This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. This is the ninth edition of the show. On this show, we're focusing on all sorts of uh, sports and related issues. Today, in the ninth edition of Sports and Stuff, we have a very interesting guest, Mark Collins. I'm going to give a little introduction for Mark. So, Mark and the listeners, I want you all to bear with me for a minute. Today, the Seattle Seahawks, established in 1976, are known as one of the most successful and popular American pro sports franchises. Many people, though, have either forgotten or do not know the story about how the Seattle Seahawks came pretty close to leaving Seattle in the 1990s. It took the efforts of Paul Allen, the current Hawks owner, various politicians and other insiders who helped prevent the Hawks from moving to Southern California. However, there were some others involved in the fight to keep the Hawks in Seattle as well. One guy is Seattle native Mark Collins. Mark is a blue-collar fan who works as a contractor, and Mark is a super fan who helped mobilize fans and others when he founded Save Our Seahawks in the 1990s. Mark's efforts helped persuade elected officials and others to ensure the Seahawks franchise stayed in the Northwest. The King County Council recently announced a resolution recognizing the 20th anniversary of the saving of the Seattle Seahawks. And Mark Collins is specifically mentioned the resolution. Today we're going to learn a little bit more about Mark's background, um, his work with Save Our Seahawks, his charitable work with, his, uh, with a foundation named after his late wife, the Jennifer L. Collins Memorial Foundation and Twelves Helping Twelves. Uh, we're going to get Mark's thoughts on some other sports issues as well. Mark, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. I have my first question now. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Mark. Well, first of all, Mark, how did you become such a big Seahawks fan? Well, that was back in the the, the very first year in 1976. You know, originally, actually, my mom had season tickets uh, the first two years, but uh, she only went to like one or two games a year. and. Uh, and then after the third year, she decided she was going to, oh, I don't want these anymore. And I said, no, I'll take them. So technically, I've been a season ticket holder in reality since 78, but I've been going to all the games since 76. So, yeah, I, you know, I bleed blue and green. We know you're a super fan, Mark. Okay, Mark. So in 1996, the then Seahawks owner, Ken Baring, transferred the team's operations to Anaheim, California. I want to know how Save Our Seahawks developed, and was it for them before Bering relocated the team to Southern California or after? Well, technically, in the 95 season, pretty much every other week, there was a, a, a rumor or two coming out about every two weeks that, that, that you know, Ken Bering wanted to move the team to, to Southern California, and he kept denying it and denying it, and then come... Uh, I think it was about the 18th, 19th of December. I think we, uh, the, the previous day, we'd actually beat the Raiders in the kingdom. I think it was on Sunday Night Football or whatever it was. But uh, the next day, I was watching 11 o'clock news, and there was another, you know, so-called rumor that he wanted to move the team. And, you know, something snapped in my head. I sat down and started writing, writing this letter. So that was – he actually got the third draft along with the media and, and – then uh, NFL Commissioner Tagliabue, but uh, I notified everybody that was uh, in December of 95 that I was forming Save Our Seahawks, and uh, it wasn't until February 2nd of 96 that, that Ken Baring actually decided to move the team. But So I was a little prepared. Interesting. I did not know that you formed Save Our Seahawks before Baring actually tried to move the team. Um, who were some other founders of Save Our Seahawks besides you, Mark? Well, it was me, <laughs> uh, and then I went. I approached my friend Dean Olsby, who had a, 
restaurant bar, the Little Red Hen up in the uh, Green Lake area, and kind of coerced him into you know we you know we put up something on the bar, and then I you know I talked to my attorney about you know who you know, trying to find a uh, uh, a class action suit attorney. So so I was a little bit prepared when everything happened. So yeah, he turned me on to Steve Berman, uh, met with them, and they. Uh, they agreed to take on the case if and when Paul, uh, not Paul, but uh, you know Ken did decide to you know pull the plug and move. And so we were a little prepared come February second. Sure, seems like it was like an antitrust type class action, right? Yeah, well, it was. It was. Yeah, we we hit him hard right between the eyeballs. I mean, Ken County hit him between the eyeballs. I mean, he he had a lot of legal about legal fights up against him, and he was coming from all directions. And you know, we were we were actually the first ones to file suit. We filed suit uh, three days after. Uh, he made his announcement, so we were a little, we were a little ahead of the game, but uh, so we we did release that that suit on July first of ninety seven, um, in part of the settlement to to finalize the deal with Paul Allen. So this is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Mark Collins. What was the reaction from the Seahawks organization when you founded Save Our Seahawks? Well, initially, I mean, obviously they are all uh, working for. Uh, for Ken Baring, but um, I did run into Gary Wright uh, early on in the campaign. I think it was like late February or early March at an event uh, down on Lake Union honoring the you know now late Wayne Cody. And here's this short little man comes up to me, and I didn't know you know Gary Wright from from anybody else, but he came up to me and said, he said, "Keep doing. You didn't hear this from me, but keep doing what you're doing." You know, so, but you know they were you know they were. You know, employees of, of Mr. Baring, so they really couldn't. Even though I had a cheering section on the background, they they couldn't really really you know, interact with me at all until after Paul bought the option in April. Mark, tell us who Gary Wright is. Oh, Gary Wright at the time was uh, he, he was one of the main vice presidents of the of the Seahawks. Uh, he was one of the original with Sandy Gregory and 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 whatnot. So yeah, he now works with. The, he's retired from the Seahawks, but still is, is very high up the food chain when it comes to the Sounders and everything else. But a very highly respected man, not only in our community but also the NFL community as, as a whole. That's interesting. What Mister Wright privately told you when he was employed by Bering. Yeah, well, you know. So a council member. There's no paper trail. Gotcha. <laughs> council member Pete von Wrightbauer. Uh, played a role in working out a deal to get Paul Allen to agree to buy the team from Ken Baring with a conditional option to purchase. Right? Um, did you play a role at all in that process? Well, I think I think just what Save Our Seahawks group did um, for three months. I mean, we were we pretty much kept it in the public's eye day in day out for you know from February second. Until Paul Allen bought his option on on April twentieth, but I mean that didn't end our our process. But I mean we 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 just kept it in the you know, in the public side. We kept it out there, which in turn helped Paul finally come to the table. But yeah, there was a lot there was a lot of pieces to the puzzle, and I'm just one of those pieces. Uh, but yeah, Pete was was one of those as well. So Allen did not purchase the option until about April of ninety seven. April and no, April twentieth of ninety six, he bought an option. Okay, which just gave us fourteen months to get you know get a stadium done. But part of his options, we had to get a new stadium done. So at that point, we didn't have a new stadium design or anything. So we we went through three different stadium designs. What you what we have now currently is the third design. The first si- design only covered ten percent of the people, and I hands down put my foot down and said that's not going to happen. Then we came up with one that. Uh, 
that, that covered 30% or 35%, and then eventually we came up with this one that covers 60%. So. Interesting. Mark, looking back in this 1996-97 era, what politicians in particular did you find most supportive of Save Our Seahawks? Well, Gary Locke was a big supporter, I mean, right out of the gate. I mean, at the time, he was King County executive, so... Um, but yeah, he uh, he was quite supportive, and then Jeannie uh, Jeannie Cole. I mean, uh, she, she was phenomenal. This I remember meeting her down on the in front of FX McCroy's. This little short woman at the time, and she was a state senator, and um, I think she was on the stadium task force as well. But she comes up and hands me her card and says, "I think you're going to need your help." So, I think most of the, the politicians supported what I did. But then again, I mean, I was a guy that really was not nobody could control and. Uh-huh. Not you, Mark. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, I'm joking. That's a true story. I mean, there are, there's a lot of people in this town. I could tell you how I was. I was. A, I was somebody that that made a lot of people nervous. But, but uh, you know, I know how to play fair. I, I know how to play nice in the sandbox. Let's put it that way. Did now, Gar- Mike Lowry, the late Mike Lowry, was governor at that time, and then Locke, I believe, took over as governor in early '97. Was Governor Lowry helpful at all? Uh, not in the early days. I mean, we. I didn't really interact with them. Um, in Norm Mailing's office, you know, I worked with Paula Jellison in Norm Mailing's office. Juan Cotto, uh, another great guy. I think you know. I think you know Juan. I know Juan. Great guy. Juan would be a good guy to come in on this thing. He's but, a great uh, guy. Um, Juan was Juan was Gary Locke's assistant at the time. But again, I was somebody that you know. I mean, in fact, Gary Locke. We had private meetings early on, and he says, "Man, we think you should do this, this, and this." And but you know, if you get if you get in trouble, we don't know who you are. So I mean. It, our goal at that time was mainly just to keep it in the public side. There was a lot of times we were top story on all three channels, in our, our three main channels anyway, on the nightly news. But um, And that's what we had to do to keep it in the public side and to, and to keep Paul's interest in, in, which, you know, with the help of, you know, the politicians, like you said, Pete and whatnot, you know, they brought finally brought him to the table. But initially he didn't want any part of it, so. Took some persuading to Paul Allen. Then it, it took some persuading on top you know, on part of the politicians as well as you know seeing it on the news every night. So I mean, I also had conversations with with you know some of his people as well, and they you know they initially told me no, we're we're not interested. So look elsewhere. But I think as Pete told you, man, we, you know eventually it came down to we looked a lot of different places, and we really didn't have a plan B. Plan we had plan A, and that was Paul Allen and. So we are lucky um, that we finally brought him to the table. And I th- I think Paul will tell you now, it's probably been one of his best investments. No doubt, Mark. You guys were instrumental in convincing Allen to purchase the Seahawks. We may not have even had the franchise today if Allen didn't step in. Right, right. Paul Schneider with Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Mark Collins. Okay, Mark. So referendum 48 passed on June 17, 1997, I believe, a statewide initiative that authorized uh, the building of CenturyLink Stadium, where the Hawks and Sounders play today. Can you tell us, Mark, a little bit about what role you and Save Our Seahawks played in that campaign? Well, I was in part of that campaign throughout the whole thing. I mean, the the group Save Our Seahawks was was kind of small. We had Bev Hopley and Rod Long was a, a part of that. But we went around and and registered people to vote. We went around and we tried to create some synergy, get some you know the fan base had been diminished at that point in time. So uh, we were out hitting sports bars and whatnot. And the Mariners were very supportive, but they let us come down there and campaign in front of there and actually gave my volunteers tickets to the Mariner games. So it's just getting out there in the community. You know, I found out that a lot of sports fans were not even registered voters so that was a big part of what we did was just you know getting out there beating the pavement you know it's like any other campaign you know and campaigns are based on confusion so you had people you know like 
you know, Chris Van Dyke and whatnot, and you know, the citizens for more important things that were out trying to confuse people. Uh, and to this day, there's still people that are confused and think that they're paying for those stadiums when they're really not. In fact, I had a gentleman a couple of days ago get me on Facebook, and and, it, and the guy lives in California, and he's chomping to, chomping at the bit about, oh, I thought we voted down all that stuff. And I said, yeah, well, you didn't don't vote down anything. Anyway, that's all. The, don't you get know, me started about the stadiums. You know, Mark, it's really interesting how close that 97 vote was. Yeah. A lot of people look back and believe that the pitch to soccer fans, that there would be an MLS franchise at that stadium one day, is probably what put it over the top. Do you buy that analysis? I think that was that had a lot to do with it, yeah. I mean, we had to reach out to, you know, to anybody and everybody, but, I mean, how valuable sports are to our community in a lot of p- different ways that people just don't really realize and what they bring back, what players do to bring back, give back to the community. I mean, look... I mean, even look at like what Russell Wilson does every Tuesday. He's out there, you know, visiting kids, you know, and, you know, we all do that. Even our organizations, you know, the fan base, our 12s, open 12s, we're out trying to raise money and, 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 and give back to the community. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of new money that's brought into this town just because of these sports that even the naysayers, you know, benefit from that. So I'm going to ask you some more questions in a minute, Mark, about some of the charitable um events that you're involved in. Now, Mark, I believe that you personally accumulated some financial debt as a result of your work on behalf of Save Our Seahawks. Uh, my first question is, despite the debt, was it worth it? And were you able to get that cleared out? Uh, well, I still have a mortgage on my house. But yeah, prior to Save Our Seahawks, my uh, my house was paid for. Uh, but because Save Our Seahawks was a full-time job, and I really wasn't working, bringing any income, and I'm running around the state, on my own dime, I I ran up a debt, you know, of over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And that's back in you know late late nineties. That was a lot of money. I mean, even today's day, that's a lot of money. But so yeah, I ended up having to mortgage my house after the fact to pay off the debt that I'd raised, uh, run up doing Save Our Seahawks. Did you get any help from people to help you pay that off? No. Yeah. Wow. You no. you really put your money where your mouth was. Put, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you have the hundred thousand and the interest on top of it, I don't know what it cost me, but you know, wow. it, it's. I created a lot of new friends, whether it be Mama Blue or you know, or you name it. There's a lot of people in this town, and that and, and Jeannie Cole, and you know, people on Ragbar. I mean, all these people, whether it be the guy in the street or the politicians, and you know, Gary Locke. I mean, these I consider these people friends that I wouldn't have if I hadn't done that. Despite the debt, it was worth it. Had I, I would have probably done things differently, you know. I mean, but you know, in hindsight, you know, it's it's all worth it. There's still the Seattle Seahawks. So what are you going to say? You know, you can't you can't say. No, it's you know. That's a fair a fair answer when I when I ask the follow up question. Yeah, don't this put is, don't put me on the spot, Paul. Gotcha, Mark. This is Paul Schneiderman, Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue, ready with Mark Collins. Mark, I believe the Seahawks at one time promised you lifelong season tickets, but apparently the franchise did not follow through on that promise. Can you share with us about that? You got to bring that one up. Uh, okay, here's the true story. Election night, I was told um, by Bud Coffee. And that that they would have lost the election without me, and and at the time I just you know I don't buy all that, but um, they they said they would have lost the election, and I was said they will you will never have to buy another ticket um, again the rest of your life. A week later, that turned into tickets for six years, which was uh, mainly the Husky Stadium years, and then uh, the first year in the in the new stadium. So, but I you know. That's all I got, you know. I, that I got that in a leather coat. There's more to the story, but I think well, we'll just leave it at that, you know. Does does it frustrate you that the, the franchise didn't fall through on that? 
I don't know. Next question. <laughs> okay, I'll move on, Mark. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, I, I, I asked questions. To, hey, come on. Are you trying to stir up dirt or what? Come on, no, come Mark, on. I'm asking questions. I, I looked at a couple of other interviews as well. So, Mark, uh, what is your relationship now like with the Hawks franchise? I, I think I have a great relationship with them. You know, I, you know, I deal with Mike Flood and you know Chuck Arnold, who is now COO. And when I first met Chuck, I actually met him. Uh, before even Paul got it involved, we were down in L.A. picketing out in front of the where the Seahawks were, were practicing down in L.A. And uh, this guy, you know, drives out. He stops and he says, he's, he said, I'm going to the store. You want anything? I said, yeah, bring me back a, a mocha or, you know, frappuccino or something. He, he looks at me. He says, they don't have those down here yet. So apparently Starbucks hadn't got to L.A. by that time. But, yeah, at that time he was an intern and now he's COO. So, I, you know, I still deal with Chuck and F- Mike Flood who – I think Mike Flood's initial job when he came out in the campaign was to try to control me. But uh, if you if you brought him and ask him, he he he'll tell you I was a handful and still so. But I got you are Mark. I have a good heart. I have a good heart. You, you are who you are, Mark. You're, you're definitely a, uh, a, strong, a strong personality. I don't sure. know how to sugarcoat very well. Mark, um, I mentioned the beginning, and you brought up that you are involved in some charitable and philanthropic work. And I know you were late wife uh jenny collins sadly passed from cancer complications in 2006 can you share with us a little bit about the charitable work that you do now well i've always you know wanted to give back to the community and if i could you know if i could make a living with my philanthropy work and whatnot uh that's where i get my most joy in life but yeah shortly after jenny passed away i started the jen collins foundation where we help you know with patient assistant programs when it comes, you know, for cancer patients that is now kind of formed now and transformed and, and morphed into what we call now 12s helping 12s. That's great. Uh, that I do with my friend Norb. Um, he'd be another good person to bring on here. I think his dad comes on on some of your shows, but um, anyway, you know, we go out and again, we, we try to help out, you know, with the little things and, and, and anything we can with the smaller things in life that uh, a lot of people forget that are that are very so important. In fact, we have our uh, our holiday grants coming up uh, this next month. You know, where we give out. Last year, we were able to, to give out twelve two hundred fifty dollar grants to people with 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 that couldn't you know normally get Christmas presents or whatnot, our holiday presents for their kids and and maybe a holiday meal and you know, we do that and then we also adopt several families from Swedish Hospital Cancer Institute That's great. to to help with their food we and so you know we try to give back to the community any way we can. Do you have a website address you can throw out for your uh, charitable work? Actually, we the main thing I mean is, is reality is we're all on Facebook. We try to keep our overheads costs down. So, I mean, if you want to look up 12s up in 12s on Facebook or uh, the Love Jack it. Collins Foundation on Facebook, that's that's the cheapest way for us to, you know, to keep our overhead down. Totally understand. Mark, do you, do you believe that Save Our Seahawks has inspired any other fan groups around the country who are trying to save other sports franchises? Well, I know there was a lot that tried to stop moves prior to that, to us. And then uh, more recent, I mean, more recently, even here, here, we've had a group, you know, with Save Our Sonics, um, that tried to do the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, unf- we we're the only fan group that has ever been successful at doing so. Um, I know um, Brian and the rest are trying to 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 get a franchise back here with the basketball team. Um, that's a whole other subject that we could probably spend another hour or more talking about. But sure, and we probably don't have time to go into that, but. Uh, but yeah, there's there's been others around the country and even here in Seattle. 
full disclosure, I was a legal advisor to Save Our Sonics, and I know that uh, the Save Our Seahawks effort was obviously a lot more successful in terms of keeping the franchise, that's for sure. Mark, um, I guess there was some talk at some point that there may be a documentary or film about your work with Save Our Seahawks. What's happening on that front, Mark? Uh, There's a documentary that's being produced right now um, um, by Norb Kowili, and um, and then it's in the final stages right now. It's probably going to be released here in the next month or so. That's great. And it, and it, and it goes into, well, it's, it starts out about Save Our Seahawks and actually goes into how I... Uh, I lost my wife, and then how I took her coat to the Super Bowl. That was a huge thing for me to get get her coat back to Super Bowl Forty Eight. And actually, I was presented a, a ticket on the forty yard line by Debbie Maycomer, and it was very overwhelming. That was an overwhelming trip. I remember that. That was a national story when you went to the Super, the New York Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you know, bypass rich and straight to famous. <laughs> that, that was. I remember watching you on one of the cable TV shows, and we were all proud of you, Mark, for. Your work, and it was nice to see Save Our Seahawks uh, recognized many years right. later as well. Right. Um, how was that, that? How was that trip to New York in, in uh, 2014? Physically, mentally, and emotionally overwhelming. So yeah, I mean, going back there, I had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, obviously, but like I said, you know, the morning of the game, I was taken into to uh, uh, Fox Studios, and not knowing I was going to go on on the on live TV, but they put me on live Fox Radio at at their time was 6.30 in the morning so technically 3.30 in the morning for me and was presented that ticket on the 40 yard line so That's but I great. never sat down the whole game and, and, and you know looking up and I think Jenny was with me the whole time so special tribute yeah I wish we had more time to talk about you know Jenny and the whole that whole trip but yeah absolutely emotional trip here did you make the Arizona Super Bowl in uh, 2015 yes I did and I pissed off Alex Rodriguez how did you how did you pick up how did you upset a-rod I, I, well because a-rod sat in front of me at the game and i warned him before i said i, I hope you got earplugs is all oh, bring it bring it bring it I said, okay but I, I have a whistle um that I, in the old king Rome days i was able to to uh clear out two or three rows but yeah um in the middle of the fourth quarter alex turns around and says man you're the loudest human being i've ever heard in my life so <laughs> That's I mean, I maybe didn't piss him off, but yeah, he was definitely covering his ears a lot. This is Paul Schneierman of Rainier Avenue Radio on Sports and Stuff with, with Mark Collins. Um, Mark, what, do you have any thoughts on what's going on in the NFL right now? There's a big controversy surrounding the national anthem and players protesting. Any thoughts on this, this whole issue well, with the NFL? Because ratings know, are down. I mean, uh, we definitely, I mean, that's a whole other subject in itself, but yeah, we definitely have social and, and racial issues and inequalities in in our society and you, it, and now you I mean even bringing up with the you know females and everything else and so you know I, I totally understand what Michael Bennett and everybody is trying to trying to accomplish and create they're trying to create awareness about an issue I just think that it in some cases it, their their message may be getting getting lost in the method does that make sense it's a yeah. point of view a lot yeah. of people have yeah, I mean yeah. you know it's I totally agree with what they're doing, and I totally agree there's a problem. And I just wish maybe there was a better way to get that message out there and create awareness about it. I mean, we definitely got we got to we got to solve these these racial and, and social inequalities. I think. Do Do you see any long term damage to the NFL? Because it seems like right now you have pro Trump people, pro Kaepernick people. It seems like everyone's upset the NFL right now. Do you see the NFL recovering from this? Well, part? I think I think our country is more divided than I've ever seen it in my lifetime, and I'm no spring chicken, you know. So <laughs> I think you're seeing that in the sports thing. I think I think 
you know, I mean, you could get in my opinion about, you know, professional sports in a whole. And I mean, to be honest, I think professional sports in a whole um, has forgot what got them there. And that's a blue collar fan. Um, no question. And um, unf- that's unfortunate. Um, so, but I mean, uh, I think they're aware of it. Uh, I do have some talks coming up with some of the, the, the higher up the food chains out at Seahawks and, you know, we we don't want to lose sight of, of, of what what got him there, and that is a blue collar fan. But you know, it is a business, so I mean, you got to look at both sides of things. So, but you know, I, the, I think the fact that I was a voice for the fans back, you know, twenty years ago, hopefully, I can still be that voice for them and and try to find a middle ground that works for everybody. Would you like to see the Seahawks maybe allocate some more seats that are more affordable for the average fan? Is that a solution? I, I would I would love to see that. Um, you know, um, I know that was an issue with with Bob Witsett and I early on. And you know, when I first met Bob, that you know, the family of four can't really afford to go to a game. But I mean, you gotta you gotta figure out a way to target the youth nowadays. And you know, they're with with their phones and iPhones and you know things that, like that. I mean, I think so. I think a lot of kids aren't going to games like that. You know, they they don't care as much anymore. You know, it's so it's how you market it. You know, you. It's like anything else in life. You build it up. You know, marketing is nothing more than building it up bigger than life and hoping like hell you can back up your BS. (laughs) Mark, you break it down. Okay, well, you know. Do you think, Mark, the concussion issue is going to hurt the NFL long term at all? I think it's not going to help. I think, again, it's another issue. It has to be, you know, you got to create awareness of. At the same time, you know, football is a violent sport and always has been. Um and granted, everybody's trying to make it safer. Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm not think they're trying to do harm to people. Uh, you know, after last night's game and losing, you know, you know Sherman and whatnot. I think there's a lot of people that think Thursday night uh, football needs to go by the wayside. So, well, Mark, we're wrapping up here. It's been fun to get your thoughts on all sorts of issues. Uh, what does the future hold for Mark Collins? Uh, you know, I'm just going to want to continue to you know help people out. You know, as best I can. You know, a lot of people. A lot of people say I should run for for city council. There's, there's a couple of people on that council I'd like to get off there. It'd be an entertaining uh, race if you did run. Oh uh, yeah, it, it would be. Well, yeah, it would be very comical. You know, here's Councilman Collins and his flip flops coming to work every day. So it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Well, Mark, it's been a lot of fun to have you on. I wanted to make sure that the uh, Save Our Seahawks story was shared in this 20, 20th anniversary. Appreciate and it, that. It's just been a pleasure, and you yeah. and I will, of course, be in touch. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Right on. Take care. Bye. Thank you.